for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. And welcome Pastor Chris Pringle, one of the founders of our movement, and hear the word of the Lord for Calgary West. Pastor just told me you have fun, so I will, I promise I will. Why don't you turn to a couple of people, give them a big hug, and say it's great to see you in church. Let the hug go on. Everybody needs to know they're loved. And I don't know about you, I don't know what your background was, but before Jesus came into my life, uh, I don't ever remember, I came from, I was raised by a solo mother, my sister and I, my father died when I was just an infant, three months old, and so the closest thing to I love you that I heard throughout my growing up years from my darling mother, who actually did come to Jesus in the end, was she said this to me, you're not a bad kid really. And I held on to that. And so, you know, we all need to know we're loved, right? And it wasn't until Christ came into my life that a well of love exploded to me to explode through me. Hallelujah! (laughs) And that's why I think I understand how vital it is for people to know they are loved and accepted uh, in the church community. And of course, that has its outworking um, outside into the local community where you and I have been sent to reap the harvest as Pastor Kelly and Lorne hosted this unbelievable uh, C3 Canada conference this week. I'm telling you, Pastor Kelly's right. There was just a surge. It's like there was a river flowing and we were just caught in the swell. You know, we were just like carried into it. And if, if you were here, then there's no, you would have had to be resisting that water to, in fact, you probably would have gone under if you were trying to like not flow. So <laughs> it's always good to flow with God and, and to flow in the Holy Ghost. And can I just commend the praise and worship band this week were phenomenal. I just, I, uh, seriously, in the worship and in the sessions that um, where I was, I was just getting download after download uh, for my own life and for the future of things that my hand is on the plower to do in my life. And I just was receiving so much a download from the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. And see, this is the whole thing. When we come into the house of God and we worship, in His presence, uh, all sorts of downloads happen. It's like, you know, when you download a program on your computer, right? You, you, um, you, want, you say, oh, I really want to know about that. Or you download a book and then you have to wait for it to be downloaded. Well, that's what happens when we enter into His presence. And we say, Lord, show me, teach me. We were singing in that song uh, this morning, uh, open up my eyes, let me see Jesus, something like that. That's my continual prayer. Open up my eyes, Lord, and let me see through your eyes. Because Jesus has harvest eyes. He has harvest eyes. He's all about uh, the kingdom. He's all about seeing 
heaven populated. His prayer is that the Father's house would be what? Full, full. And he waits. He waits. I, I often get this picture of Jesus who's now resurrected. You know, he's not a hippie Jesus in sandals anymore, how he's always depicted in the pictures. Um, he's, he's getting ready. He's grooming that white horse that's shining. And he's the Revelation says he's going to have a crown of many crowns on his head, eyes of fire, robes and gold, and, and the, he's called faithful and true. His feet's shod. He's going to be, that's the Jesus of now, the eternal Jesus that we pray to. So when we lift up our eyes and we ask Jesus to fill us and to help us and to give us harvest eyes, boom, boom, baba boom, bum, baba boom, ba, whatever that is you will not be the same. You will not be able to just sit and recline. You will be standing up as Pastor Kelly and Lord said, and you will be going, I am in this surge coming forward. And so I'm delighted to be here. Can we thank the praise band? They can sit down because um, <laughs> I know what it's like being on the praise team. I used to lead worship for many years. And if the, if the, um, you know, the speaker never let you sit down. You were like, oh, you wanted to have one of those golf seats to rest your feet. And I'm not surprised because I've never seen, uh, you know, the bass guitarist. You should have seen him this morning uh, in the first service moving. I thought he was doing an Irish jig or with the bass guitar. I've never seen feet move like that. I'm like, if he had tap dance shoes on. Lordy. I want some of that. That's awesome. Maybe I'm a bit old, but whatever. But anyway, look, before we come around the word, I just wanted to show you a quick picture of our actual family family. Um, Pastor Phil and I have a family. <laughs> uh, we also have a big family in C3. But this is, our, this is just a little sweep of our family here. There we are with our son and daughter-in-law with Goldie and Rooney, our little grandbaby girls. Um, they live in LA, they're music producers. In the middle here, we're, do, we're our soccer grandparents. And here we are with our grandsons, Finn, who just turned 12, although he looks a bit younger there, and Sonny, and this is our daughter, Rebecca, with her husband, Matt, and that's their family. And over here, kissing in the hills of some Santa Monica just after the wedding is our youngest, Joseph, kissing his new bride, the new Christine Pringle. <laughs> that's her name now. <laughs> so uh, isn't that great? That's, that's that. And let's get rid of them because, you know, I want to get on to the Word of God. I, look, I am so, uh, I am absolutely honoured to be here um, I always ask the Lord when I'm coming into uh, one of our churches for the first time, just, I just need, you know, Lord, just help me give a message that's going to help uh, the church, people in the church, grow the church, because that's what we're all about. When we come to Jesus, it's about us. In fact, you know, we come to Jesus, and I don't know what sort of songs you sang, but uh, we sang a song uh, that was called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Anyone remember that? I have decided to, no turning back. You know, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. And it's a decision. We have decided, or if you haven't, you may today decide to follow Jesus. No turning back. It's a decision. It's like Pastor Steve was saying, with giving. You know, we decide in our heart to give. 
Every step of growth as a Christian and doing something effective for Jesus is a decision that we make. You know, we decide to follow Jesus. We decide to give, right? We decide. You don't just, it's not ad hoc. I'm like, if you want to see, you know, Calgary be loved by Jesus, and my message today is called Extreme Love, then giving into the local missions, giving into vision builders or whatever you call it, giving into uh, Inner East, is that what it's called? East Village into the, the establishing of the work there for souls is because we decide to put that money aside and to give. Whenever I come into a church, I put aside what I'm going to give. It's not random. I put aside. I'm going to put, you know, it doesn't matter the amount, but, you know, I'm going to put that there because I'm sowing what? Into something I believe in. We give to who we love, right? If you love somebody, you're like, oh, you know, I want to save up my money and and give to their birthday or Christmas or whatever. My grandchildren, I think ahead whenever I travel, you know, around to conferences and whatnot, I think, oh, I'll get that and I'll put it up in my cupboard for Christmas. You know, I'm thinking. So you decide, you know, ahead of time. It's not ad hoc. And so Jesus said to the disciples, right, they're just normal people like you and I. Everyone he called, he said, follow me. The Bible says they left their nets or they left their whatever and and, and followed me. And then he said these words, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So getting saved is just the beginning. Because we get saved, we come to Jesus to then decide to serve him and follow him. That's why Connect Group, if you're not in one, oh my gosh, get into the community of Connect. And then it's that midweek thing where like you can pour out your heart and you can pray together, laugh, cry, eat some food, put on the smoked, double smoked, double smoked turkey in the bin in the thing. And, and you have, you've got Thanksgiving in a few weeks. Be thinking, who can I invite? Who can I invite outside of my, you know, happy family? Who could I invite in who maybe has never, ever been in the fellowship of and been loved and been shown something beautiful? Many years ago, uh, one of my, we were already in Sydney, and one of my cousin's children, so my second cousin, uh, came to stay with us in Sydney. And uh, it was hot, it was summer, and it was a summer, it was a Saturday morning, and I thought, I'm going to get up early, and we had an outside table with a little umbrella by the swimming pool, had a swimming pool, everybody in Sydney should have a swimming pool, it's so darn hot, and um, so we had this house with a swimming pool, and I set the table, and I had orange juice and and yogurt and, you know, berries and cornflakes and whatnot, out on the table, all set, all nice. And um, she got up and she came out and she saw the table set for breakfast and she started to cry. Did I witness to her? No, she just saw somebody loved her. And do you know what I didn't know? I mean, I love my cousin, her mother, but she had never ever set the table. The, the, you know, because they just put, she would just put the food out on the bench and everybody came at will and they ate when they got up. And so she couldn't believe, and Phil went, oh no, we always sit around the table and and eat together, and you laugh and talk, and then you can go and have a swim, or you can come for a walk, or 
you know? And, but it was how the expression of love was shown to her that somebody cared. So, okay? So, acts of love and kindness are more powerful than miracles. That's how we win people. We win people. We captivate them, not through throwing a scripture at them, right? That, don't do that. Not by shunderbarundering over them or prophesying or saying or being silly and saying, have you buried your old man yet? Are you washed in the blood? No, that's religion. Just think like, I'm going to show you now how Jesus can teach us to think right, to win people and to captivate humanity. And here our first our scripture is in Proverbs 11.30. He that wins souls is wise. And in the Amplified, it says this. He who is wise captures human lives. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't that illustrate it? So we are to captivate humanity. We are to like love them. Love them into the kingdom. Love them into life. And that word to win also means to, to, to draw, to fetch, to enfold, to mingle with, to seize and receive, or to send for, or to win, obviously. So to, to captivate humanity, Jesus is our prime, beautiful example of how humanity was won through his love and here in, in, in John 3.16, I know it's a scripture we use a lot, but I'm going to just read it and then just explain a little bit about that. Um, from, I'm going to read it from the message, uh, paraphrase. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. He didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Now look, let me just break this down. I'm going to find this scripture because it's not in my notes. So I just got this one while I was this morning uh, praying. You'll love me. I set the alarm this last night for 5.30 p.m. today. <laughs> That's what happens when pastor feels away. I kind of get a bit mixed up. But, um, but, <laughs> um, but see... That scripture, how we, this is how we think we are to pray. Um, God, I just pray. So we're praying for souls, right? And this is what, this is the old way of praying. Oh, Father, I thank you. Just save the world. We thank you that Jesus, you came and, and just, just save souls. Oh, we just pray for the harvest. We pray for the harvest in India and all oh, the Middle East and oh, over there and, and out there. And we pray over there. But actually, that's not the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray for us to actually win a harvest. See, the harvest is right where you live. It's right in your very neighborhood. I'll get to that in a minute. But here in John 17, verse 9, here's Jesus. Okay, so I just explained that Jesus selected the vagabond fishermen and the tax collector and everything, the disciples, and, and said, follow me. And then he, he made disciples of them, 
right? So he took a cluster, two handfuls, basically, 12 is probably manageable, although one was a real rebel, which is, you know, don't feel bad if you go disciple someone and they, they uh, break your heart, because remember, Jesus had a Judas. But, you know, you've got to really gather a cluster around you to disciple. And, don't, and yes, pray for the world, but your job to disciple and to, to win somebody is really quite close in your eyeline and in your world. You know, when Jesus was actually on earth, it wasn't as if he traveled miles and miles. It was the radius of something like 200 kilometers. 200 kilometers. He didn't actually have to, like, catch a plane or catch the Concorde to go over there to win a soul. He just looked right where he was walking, and he followed the Holy Spirit, and he won those people and with love. And so Jesus said, he says here in John 17, 9, he's got the disciples around him. This is before he's going back to heaven. This is what he said in front of the disciples. Big key here. I pray for them, them. Who's them? Just the, that cluster, that cluster of grapes that he had discipled. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Who has God given you? They're right in the realm of your life in your neighborhood right now. You know, when Phil and I got saved, uh, we came to Jesus because of a little lady called Mae Hancock who had just become a Christian. Oh my goodness. We're so on fire when we first meet Jesus, right? What happens to us? Do we become all religious and then just stick in our little clique? But there's a harvest out there. Whenever I walked, and Phil and I walked, you know, through the river area where you're going to plant in a village, East, East Village, you know, and I know that your major crop is wheat. You see all the wheat things. They're all in buckets and as we we're walking and uh, my hand was going across this wheat I'm like the harvest is ripe it's not there is a harvest in India but we don't live in India do we we live where in Calgary we're here where there's 10,000 houses going up apparently am I right just over the road okay think Jesus how can I reach those that are around me? They're going to be new neighbors that are going to be right, right, right round about you. So little, so we're unsaved. We're seeking for God. And we ring a friend. Her name, she was at art school with Phil. This is in Christchurch in 1971 in New Zealand. And we ring her up. We're freaking out. We're living in absolute, we're, we're living, talk about, this message is called extreme love, but just imagine we were in extreme darkness, so thick that it was thick black darkness that we were filled with fear, terrible demon attacks, uh, couldn't wake out of sleep, all our own fault. I mean, we were dabbling in darkness, we were dropping this and smoking that and Ouija boy and this and, you know, trying to find truth and studying all weird kind of Eastern arty arts things we ring up do, do you know who can help us to this girl who was clairvoyant at art school her mother had become a Christian two weeks earlier she was in the kitchen doing dinner you know in those days no mobile phones you had to pick up the 
the phone off the wall, you know, or the old black phone, you know, where you went like this. Remember those? Anybody old enough to? Good. The landline was it. And uh, she was talking. She got off the phone. And May said to her daughter, who was that? Oh, it's just a guy from art school and his girlfriend. They're freaking out. I, you know, told them to go to the psychic society. Honey, we were psychic enough. We didn't need any more psychic experiences. And she said, oh, I know someone who can really help them. And so she rang her pastor, local pastor, and he rang us on our, the landline in, in the flat. And so he said to Phil, was on the phone, um, you know, my name is Pastor Barton, and make sure, whatever you do, make sure that you be here at this address at 10 to 6 on Sunday night, and May, the lady who contacted me on your behalf will wait on the steps of the hall and so Phil got off the phone he told me the pastor rang me back now okay sometimes it's good to not have a religious background because when he said the pastor I went oh cool oh he's a spiritual dairy farmer that's what I thought a pastor was because, you know, we're a, we grew up with farming community. My uncles were all cow farmers and Aberdeen Angus bull breeders and everything. And I thought, he's a spiritual guru who's a farmer. Cool. Great. You know? So, anyway, so the pastor's wife rings Phil back. So this is now he's got a girlfriend, you know, like probably a girlfriend who's a female pastor, um, you know, spiritual guide, whatever. And she said... Don't let anything stop you. The devil may try to stop you. And when Phil said that to me, I'm like, oh, I'm coming too. I'm coming too. So we had push bikes. It was a cold winter's night, the 8th of August, 1971. We biked across Christchurch. It was getting dark. I'm looking out every corner in case, you know, the devil was going to. And let me just say this. I, we knew there was darkness. We were in deep darkness. So we knew that when she said devil or demons, oh, yeah, creepy, we knew that we were in darkness. So we, we get to this spiritual dairy farmer's hall. I didn't even know it was a Christian church. I did not even click. We walk into the foyer, buzzing with the presence of God. Phil's I don't even know what the presence of God was, but Phil squeezed my hand, my boyfriend, um, my hippie, gorgeous boyfriend, he squeezed my hand and said, good, good vibes, babe. <laughs> yeah, and in my heart, I didn't know what I was saying, but in my heart I said this, I'm home. You know, if you've never known the love of God, if somebody has never known the love of God or the love of a father, Pastor Lorne, when we walked into that atmosphere of the presence of God, I was clothed in something. Why did I say in my heart, I'm home? Because everybody in their heart has an ache to be home in the presence of God. And all we have to do is be the May Hancock who gets us there. She stood on those steps. She was all dressed, all beautiful. Hello, you must be Philip, Christine, come in. She was our you know, in the old language, I would have said she was a spiritual guide, but she was the guide of the Holy Spirit. She had obeyed the Holy Spirit to, to, to determine, and prayers were being prayed, that we would make it through the streets of Christchurch and get there because that night we were to encounter Jesus Christ. The love of God just 
fulfilled us when it came time for the offering, when I talk about extreme love. Acts of love and kindness that are almost unseen are extreme love, are the things that witness. The offering plates came around and it was open, you know, it had red velvet and it was a wooden thing, and we had no money, and here it was coming. Here it was coming, and Phil was going like this into his jeans, no money, and this little May Hancock, she reached over and she gave us some change to put it in the plate. And Phil said in that moment, his heart went all warm and gooey. <laughs> we're talking about a cool hippie artist who never cried. Like, we were cool. Like, he, he had a broken heart from his family background. But the love of God in smallest acts of love and kindness begin to get into us, get into the veins of all our sorrow and darkness and, and you know, um, ego. And we began, by the time that preacher came out, that spiritual farmer came out. Oh, he had the wavy hair and the bluest blue eyes, and he just preached the word of God. I'd never heard the gospel preached like this and he just said that Jesus is the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but through him and I'm like every time he said the name Jesus I was falling in love I didn't even know who he was I'm like I like this guy he's talking about I like him so at the end when he said if anyone needs Jesus just put your hand up and uh, and Phil his hand went up and then May like we were so out of it herpes and then that's all I heard, a hand up. And then May just put her hand on our shoulder and said, you go up now. You go up now, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, <laughs> she was the Obi-Wan Kenobi for us. And so we went, oh, we got up. We thought everyone was coming out the front. Like, have you ever been to like a Christmas midnight service in any church? We'd, we'd been to those and you go and you get the red wine to drink. Are we? So you come up for communion. That's what we thought this was. But we get up, we're the only ones up the front. <laughs> but it didn't matter because that love was all over us and we pray. I don't even know what I prayed. But that night we went home. We went home. We were living in a big uh, hippie community, right? We walked in. Everyone was stoned and smoking dope and other stuff. And uh, we walked in and one of the guys in that house came out into the kitchen and looked at me and he went, oh, are you one of those Jesus freaks now? And I didn't even know what a Jesus freak was. I'm like, I went into the bathroom and looked at my face to see if I looked different. I felt different, but I looked the same. And then it was like, hey, here, have a smoke. And I'm like, it was over. I couldn't. I, it was like night and day. Night and day. And it came out of my mouth. Oh, no thanks. You, and then you could have cut the, the air with a knife. It was like we were cut. Because the kingdom of darkness doesn't like light. And, and even though, so anyway, three weeks later, like we were living together. We go to go to sleep that night and it's like, no, what's going on? No. So we go to see the pastor in the week and he drops his Bible because Phil said, I can see a word in front of my eyes, fornication. What's that? And the... The Bible, the pastor, the spiritual dairy farmer, was a very conservative English man. And he had a great big Bible, and he dropped it on the, you know, he had a little office, and he dropped it, and he went, oh, well, um, um, maybe 
uh, right, so, because, um, you know, they didn't know we're living together, because, you know, that these are, we, we were like aliens coming into this church. I mean, everybody was over 70. Well, they looked like it, but actually they were only in their 40s, <laughs> but they looked really old because they were English, you know, and she had the perm and the, she had the Dame Edna glasses and everything. And so this is what he said in front of Phil and I. Well, I, may I suggest, he didn't tell us, he said, may I suggest that you, you um, part, like not sleep together, I'm just suggesting it, and maybe decide you know, in the future whether you want to be together or, or even get married. There was a silence for about 20 seconds, and Phil turned to me and said, well, how about it, babe? <laughs> that was my proposal. Forget the diamond ring, the I love you, will you be mine, out of the helicopter. Forget the, you know, airlift us up to the mountains and, or, or go to Banff and in front of the waterfall and the stags going past and, and, you know, will you marry me with like this big ring? No, and three weeks later we got married and here we are. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm telling you the journey. There we are on our wedding day. That's my mother. She wasn't too happy at the time, but she got happy. She's, and that's my Uncle Bob, who um, was my godfather. He came down to Christchurch. The, a lot of the family came because they were so fascinated. Because we'd gone home. I'd gone home. Training college, holiday, Christmas and that, with all these Eastern religion books, smoking dope. I'd got sick one Christmas, I was put into hospital, and the doctor said to my mum, is your, is your daughter on drugs? And she's like, I don't know, ask her. And it was all awful, it was all just ghastly. So now we come home and say, we're born again, we're following Jesus. And it's a miracle she had to sign the wedding certificate, because I was 18. And in New Zealand in those days, you had to be 21 to marry without your parents' certificate you know, thing. So anyway, we got married. There we are. And this, can I just say about an act of, of love and kindness, I have to get this out. May Hancock, that little lady, totally unseen in the life of the church, she invited uh, me around for dinner to her house where Dorothy, because we knew the daughters, they were both art students, Dorothy and Liz. And she said, what are you wearing for the wedding? And I said, oh, I don't know, I'll just get a old nighty from St. Vinny's and, you know, because we're living together, we're hippies, we're just, you know, whatever, I don't know. And she took me into her room and she was an incredible dressmaker. In fact, she made all these amazing hot pants and long jackets for her daughters. I didn't even know she was the one sewing them. And she said, pick a bolt of material and let's do a drawing. And we did a drawing together of that, a little dress with a hood, with, an a, with a little, you know, cut on the cross at the bottom, and she made my dress. And then for the last fitting, which is only like a week later, you know, she had one of those things like, say yes to the dress. Anyone seen that show? Say yes to the dress. I stood on it, and she, as she took the hem up, she said, I'll come into the kitchen. I take it off and come into the kitchen, and there was a big a bowl as big as this table with uh, like, you know, like a fruitcake mix in it. And I thought, gosh, she, she's doing her Christmas cake real early. But, and it had a big wooden spoon in it, and she said, stir it. And I said, oh, why? She said, well, every bride must stir her wedding cake. She made the cake, she made my dress. Oh, it was incredible. As I got out of the car, okay, I had a little wee white Bible. 
that's what I thought, because, you know, I was a baby, new Christian, I was like, I'll just carry the Bible for Jesus, you know. <laughs> and um, I got out of the car, and another little lady, also English, I love the English, she came out and she had a bouquet of flowers that she had made, all spring flowers from Christchurch with my favourite, she didn't know, John Quills, and she came, just as I was getting out of the car, she came running up to me, she's just, this lady's just gone to be with the Lord, her name's Renee, all these people, she gave me the bouquet and she said, every, every bride should have a bouquet. Oh, acts of love and kindness are more powerful than miracles. Every little act of love and kindness sent us in the right heart, mind, to reach out to others. So we got married. There's us coming back from our honeymoon. Somebody else gave me flowers. I had a girlfriend at training college. What happened was we got married, and it was training college holidays, and when I came back, I was Mrs. Pringle, and we, we, I was late for chapel, and so I went into the lecture class, and it was child psychology, of all things, and um, the head student, who was, oh, a big, scary girl, she stood up, and she said, well, yeah, so you got married. Why'd you have to get married? Oh, seriously, I was like freaking out. And my legs were going like this. I stood up, and it was the first time I'd like done a public witnessing. And I went, first of all, I apologized to everyone for turning them on to marijuana and giving them all these Eastern religion books. And I said, but Phil and I met Jesus. And, and um, I, any, anyway, and as I finished the testimony, the lecturer came in and I sat down. And that Sunday, straight after class, like, you don't have to be, you just need to be filled with the love of Jesus. This is where I'm going. You don't need to know a million things or have to go to Bible college, although that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. But let the love of Jesus compel you to tell others. Let your story ignite your story of just, if you've forgotten, if you've forgotten, think back. I, I always remember that night and these incidences where, and then that Sunday, two of my training college girlfriends gave their hearts to Jesus and their boyfriends. One of them is still in the ministry today. I'm not sure about the other ones, but so many girls from training college uh, came to Christ. And, so, and this is our youth group. So this is our, this is our connect group. What do you call them here? Connect group. And we got a big house on the Avon River and we just started to reach out because I was at training college and then I started teaching. And the, the, um, the police heard about this house where kids were coming in and getting off drugs, right? And so kids with what they called petty drug offences were sent to us rather than, they used to send kids that were on dope or something out into country, but they started sending them to us. So we had house church on a Monday night and we had a couple of the elders that would sit in just to make sure we weren't going off track. And one night we'd done a three-day fast right, before house church, oh, and this is really good because you're going to be doing the, the thing soon, and um, next minute, like, so we kind of had an open door policy, so the back door was sort of open, it was, it was 1971, okay, like, you didn't lock your doors or have, like, you know, intercoms or anything like that to get into your house, but not like today, you know, people have security, security, dogs, cameras, whatever, so anyway, we're in the middle of praise and worship, and we were like on a worship high, and the presence of God was in that little house. And next minute, 
bang, the door uh, bangs open and a whole, actually we heard the noise but didn't know what it was and it was motorbikes coming and the hell's angels who were a very scary uh, tribe uh, gang in Christchurch in the 70s um, burst in and they had pipes and umbrellas don't know what they're going to do with the umbrellas, but they had pipes and umbrellas and sticks and everything. Maybe seven or eight of them just came in. And, you know, I'm not talking body art. Like, you know how tattoos are, like, really cool now? This was body art from, like, how many years they'd been in prison or how many people they'd killed or whatever. Like, they were really scary. And the main guy uh, had uh, his hair was all shaved there and long red hair. And um, he was the leader. And like we, we just sort of kept praising God. We didn't quite know what to do. We just kept praising God. And there was no, uh, all of a sudden they came and they were all huffing and puffing and, you know, going like this all through kids, all hippies were on the floor and up around the chairs and down the passageway. And, um, and uh, we just kept praising God and hugging them. Have you ever hugged a guy with tats and arms and a black singlet on? We hugged them and loved them, and they all sat down in that service. Every single one of them gave their hearts to Jesus that night. Hang on. Except one, the big leader, Popcorn. His name, Popcorn, uh, was his nickname because he had red hair. Don't know how that acquaints with Popcorn, but that was his nickname. And uh, they all, the meeting left, and everyone went at 2 a.m like because like I said the doors weren't locked we had our own bedroom at 2 a.m our door flung open we had a little table and two chairs in our in our bedroom it was an old house and a little fireplace and he came in and it was popcorn it was the leader of the pack and he went oh yeah mate sorry sorry to burst in like this but I didn't want to do it in front of my mates and he got saved. Popcorn became one of our leading embodiments of the love of Jesus. You know, I remember, oh my goodness, when um, David Wilkinson in New York, New York City was going after Nikki Cruz. And he was like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to stab you. I'm going to cut you up into pieces, you know, because he was like an angry Nikki Cruz pre-Jesus. And I remember David Wilkinson saying to him, you can cut me up into a thousand pieces and every little piece will still say Jesus loves you. And that night when Popcorn and his mates got saved, a big move of the Holy Spirit happened among druggies and bikies and guys that had come out of prison. Oh my goodness, the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus will captivate humanity. The love of Jesus is deeper, wider, higher than anything that any human being has ever experienced. And you and I have been called to reach out and not be afraid. We should never, ever forget that light is when the light, darkness is dark. But when the light of Jesus Christ through you and I is turned on, you fear will flee, darkness will flee as the love of Jesus is just poured out, poured out through us. And you know what? That was called the Jesus Revolution. And we need another Jesus Revolution. You need to be a part of the new uh, Jesus Revolution here in Calvary. Calgary. <laughs> yeah, 
Calvary's pretty good too. You need to bring people to Calvary at Calgary. And if you reach out and love people and you win their hearts and you come alongside people, they will come into the kingdom of God. They will come and experience the presence of God exactly as Phil and I did. And, you know, we have, we have never stopped. What we did then is what we do now. What we're doing now is exactly just us older and having passed on the baton to hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of disciples across the earth. And that's why I'm here today, to help you, to, to, for you to lift up your eyes and to see the harvest. Who has Jesus given you? Who are those people? Like right now, in your work, in school, at university, at the playgroup, down your street, in the local shops, in the gym. You know, who are those people? At the motorbike club. Like there's a motorbike club here and that's awesome that you, that you are reaching out and, and apart. You, we are salt and light in this earth. And if we will allow the Holy Spirit today to stir his love in us, his extreme love, his extreme love is extreme in a very simple way. Not taking a Bible and banging it over a person's head or prophesying or whatever or saying, you know, Big, you know, I've got a big ministry, but just everyday people reaching out to those that God has given you is where Jesus' love will get out into Jesus. He did it all the time, and he did it with food, and I know you love to eat. Oh, my goodness, I've had more meals in Calgary than I have had in the last two weeks. Eat, you go, your fellowship house group, small group, you eat together, you laugh, you pray, you cry, you, you mingle your lives with each other, you help with your kids, you pray for your kids, you, you go to mum's groups, you come to the women's, you come to every woman and you get together and you realize that we are more, we are better together. One grape alone is just, but a whole cluster of grapes, there's the new wine. There's a new wine of the Holy Spirit and the joy can come into the, into the house. So John 1.14, beautiful verse in the message, uh, says this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. We today are those little units of flesh and blood going out into the neighborhood, just like on Sesame Street. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Your neighborhood. The people that you meet each day. The people that you meet each day. There are people that Jesus has given you right now. And I mean, seriously, I do the same. I do the same. Every one of my most important prayers is to the Lord each day, how can I help you? And then I go out and I'll meet someone, how can I help you? That's five words, how can I help you? And another five words that are really people love and I've never been refused, may I pray for you? May I pray for you? How can I help you? 
And may I pray for you. I have a little lady in my street. I was just telling in the last service, uh, one of our pastors just had a little baby boy, a girl, girl. They've got two sons and they had a baby girl. It was a big deal, you know. <laughs> if you've had five sons and you have a girl, I'm telling you, she's covered in pink. I'm like, I've never seen a baby so much in pink with one of those things around the head. Anyway, so I went into this shop. It's called Leapfrog Kids uh, in my neighborhood, just in Mona Vale. I've known this woman uh, at a distance uh, for a long time. I've never, ever told her anything about Jesus, but lots of people in the community have come to Christ, and they all talk in retail, right? So um, I go into this shop. It's called Leapfrog Kids. I've got the card, so I remember every day to pray for Anne. And I go in, and she said to me, see, when the harvest is ripe, it's ripe. And Jesus said these words, now lift up your eyes and see the harvest is ripe. Like there are people that aren't ripe, right? They're the ones that argue and argue and they're like hard as old chips of wood. They're not ready. But there is a white harvest and they're all around you. And what happens is they do what Anne did to me. I walk in and I, I pick the outfit for the baby girl and she said to me, um, I've, I know a lot about you, Chris, and your church. She just started, tears started to come into her eyes and she said, oh, do you think it would be all right, like, could I come to church? And I went, yes. Oh, I went, Anne, that would be awesome. I know just the service for you, chapel service. It's for, you know, baby boomers above. She's 70-something. And I said, are you all right? Are you well? Are you ill? And she said, well, you know, I've got this. And she lifted up a top and she had one of those heart monitor things, like in case that's connected somewhere in case she has a heart attack. <laughs> and so I said to her, I'm coming to Canada, but I'll send somebody into the shop to, to, to help you get to the chapel service. She said, no, no, I'll wait till you come home. So I'm like, every day I'm picking up the card saying, Lord, don't take her home because she won't be going home. She doesn't know Jesus yet. So there, that's a person who's ripe for harvest. And those prayers, who knows? Uh, you know, like if one of our pastors does go in to see her, that she is, she's in prayer, she's covered until she comes to Jesus. Who has the Lord given you? That's just one person in my personal life. There are people in my family. I've got tons of people coming out from New Zealand, unsaved family, for Christmas. And I mean... You know, like Christmas for a pastor is a really busy time. But I'm like, I felt the Lord say, invite them. Invite her with her boyfriend. Like, you know, they're living together. Have them over. Um, you know, they, they're going to stay in a B&B, &B, so then I don't have to sort of go, oh, I'm going to sleep there. But, you know, I've had couples come into our house who are living together, and I'm like, babe, and I just put them in one bedroom. Because I want to win people. What would Jesus do? Not one person said to Phil and I, not even Dennis, Pastor Barton, the spiritual dairy farmer, he never said, living together, sinful. No, he just said, maybe, perhaps. Because the Holy Spirit is able to convict a person of sin. It's not our job, it's his. If we show the love of Jesus, then I'm telling you, he's more than able. We are his servants of love, of love. And um, as the music team come up, um, I want to just finish with this amazing story. 
that really illustrates how loving and powerful Jesus is, that he's able to, he is the wordsmith of all wordsmiths. And it's the story in Luke 19, it's verses 1 to 10. I'll just paraphrase it and just get to the main bits because it's time to pray. Jesus uh, entered and walked through Jericho, right? Uh, this is from verse 1, verse 2. There was a, a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. You see, when the harvest is ready, they're already hungry. They're still sinners. Like, I mean, while we were yet sinners, What? Christ died for us and then he can see that we're getting ready that that ripeness is there we're unhappy with the state of our life and then he can put people like you and you and you in our path in the path of a Zacchaeus or a Chris Bringle or a Phil Bringle so that we can be guided by the Holy Spirit to meet Jesus when Jesus got to the tree he looked up look up it's time to look up and see the harvest that is ripe. It is right around you, friends. The harvest is ripe. The Zacchaeuses are up the tree waiting for you to call them down to say, let's get together. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus looked up. He always knows when a person is ready. And he will tell us if we are ready. If we are open, if we're saying, Lord, how can I serve you? How can I help people today? He will, he will unction you. The Holy Spirit unctioned Jesus. He looked up. Come down. I'm coming to your place. That's what Jesus said. Hurry down, Zacchaeus. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. All right, can you imagine what was going on? All the disciples, like, doesn't Jesus know who he is? Verse 7, everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Hello, hello. Do you remember when you were a crook? I was a crook. I was a sinner. I stole stuff. I lied. I cheated. I lied to my mother. I was immoral. I was a crook. And my maiden name was Crookshank. So... I was a real crook. Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned, right? The Holy Spirit was working on him. He stammered apologetically, Master. Master. He bowed the knee to Jesus. He looked beyond his condemners. It's so easy for us to judge. Don't judge. Jesus, the cross and the foot of Jesus is where we all have to be. Not just once, every day. The cross where we are forgiven over and over, where we are empowered over and over, where we are reminded of our mission, that we were once sinners and now we're saved that we were called to follow him and now we are commissioned 
to make disciples of all men. That's why we have to keep growing. That's why you need to be in connect and you need to be trained and you need to be in the prayer meeting and you need to be serving in the house. You decide. Following Jesus is a decision in many, many areas. When we are following Jesus and we are bowed at the cross, we are tithers. We don't argue. We tithe. We're bowed. We're not our own anymore. Not our money. Not our will. Not our passions. We lay them down. And this is what Zacchaeus did. That's what he was saying. Master. He had to look beyond the people he had ripped off because he was a crook. But Jesus saw beyond that. And this is what he said. Oh, hallelujah, church. Here's the love of Jesus, the extreme love of heaven to earth for us to imitate. Jesus said, today is salvation. Come to this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost Jesus never said, Zacchaeus, the son of perdition, you crook. You ripped her off and her off and that little widow is living on the streets because of you, because you taxed her. No. He said, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. Jesus always, he knows where we're at. Hello. But he sees who we are in him. He sees with the eye of faith. He sees with harvest eyes. He sees Zacchaeus. He sees him reaching out. He sees him saved and delivered and repented from his old life. He sees him pouring into the kingdom. He sees him supporting missions. He sees him supporting the inner city work. He sees, he sees him a giver and not a taker anymore. He sees him redeemed, found, restored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's bow our heads today, church. Hallelujah, Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you call each one of us to lift up our eyes and see the harvest, to see through your eyes, your love for humanity, that we will be captivated by your love to see again afresh the harvest that is white, ripe, ripe for picking. Those that you have given us, Lord, oh, what a privilege it is. Oh, Father, oh, Father in heaven, I pray that you will freshly empower and speak to your people here today. If you are here today and you are saying, Father in heaven, give me harvest eyes. Give me the Jesus harvest eyes. I want to be. That's what a true laborer is in his field. Just stand to your feet and say, oh Lord, wherever I am, open up my eyes. Open up my eyes that I will see that I will be flesh and blood in my neighborhood for you that I will be the Anne, I will, I, will, I, will, I will be the May Hancocks. I will reach out to the Zacchaeuses and the woman at the well. I'll reach out to those 
those vagabonds on the street. I'll reach out to those kids that are at university with me and not be afraid and love them and and speak to my heart with acts of love and kindness. Thank you, Jesus, today. Just lift up your hands in His presence, Lord. I pray for fresh oil to fall on this harvest, these laborers, with eyes to see and hearts to beat, beat, beat deeply with the love of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. Your prayer is that your house will be filled, and Lord, we are your laborers. Help us to reach out not be afraid to step out of our own insecurities and our own our own lack and lift up our eyes and share your love the love of Jesus friends is more powerful it's more powerful than any spirit of fear for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind Oh, if you're not serving somewhere in the house, I want to just encourage you to serve. Jesus came. Jesus himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, said, I come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Now, let me just interpret that for today. We give our life to serve Jesus. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it, friends. I pray that you will begin to see. You know, we live in a meistic world. iPhone, iPad, iMac. My dream, my destiny. Let's just drop that for a moment and think about His will. His charge, His commission, His love. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus. Just lift up your eyes, lift up your hands, and see the harvest, see the ones and the twos he's given you. Thank you, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit. Open up our eyes to see you see you to see you in that young man full of himself to see you in that woman broken and bruised to see you people in high power to see you Jesus to reach out for you Jesus to be servants for you Jesus to lay down our lives for you Jesus right here right now hallelujah holy spirit 
be speaking to you about family members. Never give up on your family. Just keep loving. Keep loving. Keep loving. Keep believing. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too hard for Him. And God can reach out to you today if you are here today. You've been away. And here you are in the house of God. Here you are in His presence. Here you are. Maybe brought by a friend or a family member. Or maybe you just walked in here by yourself today and you're like Zacchaeus. You're here because you're hungry. And if you don't know who you're hungry for, I'm here today to tell you that your hunger will be quenched when you receive Jesus and when you give your whole life to Him. The Bible says, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we will be filled. And we often think, oh yeah, but you don't know me. Oh, I don't have to know you because I, like you, am a sinner at the foot of the cross, right? And it's Jesus who stands between us and a new life. And all we have to do is receive Him into our lives. He said, I am the door, I am the door. If any man or woman comes to me, they will be saved. And it's the beginning of a whole new life today. So just in these final moments, and I'm way over time, while every head is bowed and you're saying, well, I wanna, I'm gonna pray a prayer in a moment that ask Jesus to come into your life. And if you're saying, and you're in this service today, and you're saying, I need to pray that prayer. I need to come to Jesus. I need to bring my life to the foot of the cross. I need to be washed clean, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to Jesus today. If you're saying, Pastor Chris, I need to be included in that prayer. This is for me. This is my day. Just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming down. God bless you, beautiful young man. I'm coming home. He's coming home. Who else is there today? I'm coming home. Today's your day, friend. Come home. The Father is waiting to hug you and clothe you and cleanse you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right. I'm going to lead you all in a prayer. And the young man who raised his hand so boldly, I want you to come down the front at the end of service and we're going to give you a Bible and look after you. But let's just pray this prayer together out aloud. Father in heaven, we come to you today and surrender to you. Oh, we ask Jesus to come into our lives and fill us to overflowing. We ask you to wash us and cleanse us and make us your true followers and help us serve you all our days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Thank you, Thank Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Lorne. Thank you so much, Pastor Chris. Are you? Thank you. It's my joy. Canada oh. loves Pastor Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I think that we both think that she's just um, uh, an 
Australian treasure, and thank you for sharing yourself with the world. You're timeless, and uh, the, the youngest, spirited, middle-aged woman that we've ever met. We want to thank you for uh, entrusting Canada to Kelly and I, and for Canada as a region, for recognizing Canada as a region. It's our great honor to be able to serve you and Pastor Phil in this great mandate of the 2020 vision. It's our pleasure and our honor. God bless you, everybody. Thank you for being in church. If anybody needs prayer, we have a prayer team at the front. We'll see you next week. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.